0: You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Celebrity, where we're taking a look at who Jesus is today and how he gives us instant access to where we don't belong. One of the things in our in our culture is great by permanence. How long can somebody know your name after you're past your prime, or after you're even you're even dead? If if in your career somebody can know your name after you retire, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. You've you've had a pretty good career, especially before you know, uh, 85 and before you know when there wasn't that whole analyst gig that you know people can just keep holding on to uh, of if if. If you could be known um, uh, past your career, that's pretty impressive. But then, decades past your career, guys like Babe Ruth and, and Bob Gibson, and, and you know, decades past your, your career, if you can be known past past that, that's pretty impressive as well. But I mean, centuries past your career, you know, William Shakespeare, you know, guys like that, uh, that's that's pretty good. But how about millennium past your career? Aristotle. Plato, William Wallace, kind of. Um, you know, Homer, not Simpson, Odyssey Homer. You know, if you can be known millennia past your career, that's pretty impressive. I mean, just, I, I did some NCAA research. In my sport, in, in soccer, eight out of every 10,000 high school players, eight, make it to the pros. Make it to the spot where they get paid to play. Now that's not even that's not even making it to where we actually know their name or even soccer people know their name. The national teams leaving today to go down to Brazil for the World World Cup. 32 nations have a roster of 23 players each. These guys are known as the best in their nation of playing their sport but even 10 years from now out of those 23 anybody that is a soccer fan will only know four or five or six of those this is the same in any sport and then several years beyond that you only know two or three the ones that really stick out great by permanence We have this idea that that the people are great if they're relevant well past their prime and even past their death. We're wrapping up a series called Celebrity this week and and, and next week. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at at the things that our culture say are are keynotes of greatness. And then showing how Jesus actually outpaces everybody for that greatness, for that greatness. And the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but the writer of Hebrews, he did the same concept. He took their celebrities back in that day for the religious people who, 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 who were focused in on celebrities like angels and, and, and Abraham and, and Moses. And he said, hey, look, you guys, you guys think these guys are great? Jesus is greater in every way. And this week, we're taking a look at great by permanence. Do you know that Jesus is the most famous person that ever lived on the face of this earth? I mean, yeah, sure, we know people from from thousands of years ago, like Aristotle and Plato that we talked about, but, but they don't have a daily discussion like Jesus does. They haven't had their books written about them. They don't have even the historical material written about them that Jesus does. Even the opponents of Jesus today speak of Jesus almost as if he's living today, not somebody that lived 2,000 years ago. Even if you're not certain about this whole Jesus guy, not sure if he really lived or if he really was God or or, or what I should believe about this Jesus guy, there's one thing you cannot deny. He is the most famous person Person of all time, and if, even if you have doubt about that, let's go research it. But the question is, how did he become this person? What made Jesus so permanent? Why, two thousand years later, Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of churches all around the world will gather today to talk about this guy, Jesus. Why is that? We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. You can follow along. We're going to have the verses up on the screen. If you brought a hard-bound Bible, by all means, open that up, Hebrews chapter 10. We encourage you, uh, bring a smartphone or tablet to follow along. We we make an event uh, in the Bible app Allow you to follow along and take notes in the Bible app, or you can grab a, a, a cheat sheet around you and take, uh, take notes on, on that. But what made Jesus so permanent? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 1, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. A a few weeks ago, we talked about shadows. Shadows are real. They're a real thing. However, shadows are not the real thing. Shadows are a real thing, but they're not the real thing. They only point to the real thing. If I'm casting a shadow over you, that's not really me, but it points to the real me. With me, Scott? I know it's like, whoa. But okay. the law, the Old Testament, that whole deal, the Old Testament system was, was a shadow of things to come, was a shadow of the real deal. It was only to point us to the real deal. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. They were not permanent, but they were never able, able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Disappeared. Talking about permanence and relevancy. And some people say, and maybe you're sitting here thinking the same thing of going, man, Jesus, 2,000 years later, come on. There's no way he's relevant to my life today. We're going to be talking about guilt. Without a show of hands, whoever feels guilt? Is the concept of guilt relevant today? Believe well, so. Because that's one of our innermost desires is get rid of the guilt that we all face. And the writer is saying these Old Testament, these Old Testament sacrifices, these animals that they slaughtered, if, 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 if they would have been the real deal, they would have stopped that because all they would have needed to do is to sacrifice one and they would have been good. But, but those animals, they, They didn't get rid of guilt but instead those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin see where does guilt come from it comes from our sin and all that all that these sacrifices really did was to just to remind them of their guilt and remind them of their sin you're like see no it's not relevant because we don't sacrifice animals today Oh, yes, it is, because we do it in different ways. See, we can ignore our guilt and say, ah, it's not real, or it's not important, or it's not a big deal. Guilt, no, just ah, just ignore it. We can try and drown our guilt. And usually, <laughs> just, I mean, we're all sober here, so that we can, we can be honest. Usually, this is lunacy, right? This is lunacy. We can be honest. This is lunacy. We're sober. So, so, so we, can be, we can be real right, right here. Usually we drown our guilt with what we feel guilty with at the beginning anyway. We feel guilty for getting drunk. So what do we do? We just try and drown the guilt in alcohol. But pick your device of drowning we try and drown away the guilt or we can religion away the guilt if I just show up at church if I just be good if I put a good face on the guilt will go away you may not look guilty to other people but does the guilt really go away this is what the writer's trying to say See, these sacrifices, these things that we do to try to make the guilt go away, it doesn't really go away. So then we have to ask ourselves a question. How does the guilt go away? Good news is is that he answers that question. Remember, we're asking, really, what made Jesus so permanent? That is why all of this, all that we just talked about, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, and, and, and here he's going to quote Christ, quoting the Old Testament, basically saying, Hey, look, we should have seen this coming. You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the Scriptures. First, Christ said, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. God didn't really want the offerings. That's not what he wanted. Even though that's what he required, that's not what he wanted. So that leaves us going, what did he really want? Then Christ said, Jesus said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. God didn't want sacrifices. God didn't want offerings. God didn't want that just, just for the sake of killing animals. God wants something much deeper than that. He wants His will done in our lives. He wants His will done. And Jesus simply came to say, Hey, look. Here's my body, God, and I am offering my body up for your will. Jesus didn't come to give a sacrifice. Oh, heresy. Hold on. He came to do the will of God. The pinnacle of which is to give his body as a sacrifice. He came to do the complete will of God. Garden of Gethsemane, those those of you familiar with that story? Not my will, but yours. Jesus is in a struggle. My will doesn't involve a cross, God. But if that's your will. Jesus didn't go to the cross merely to sacrifice. Jesus went to the cross because he, because he was here to do the complete will of God. And see, this is, this is what God wants from all of us, is to do his will. But see, we've already established that we've got a problem. Not doing his will, the sinning, and it brings that guilt into our life. So we've got this problem, right? And the writer of Hebrews, how he writes, is he goes, jab, 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 hook. Right? He gives a few verses and then he gets one that just really is just a way maker of a, of a punch. And here's, here's one of them. For God's will... For God's will. God's will for every one of us. Look, this is a big topic. When, when it comes to Christians, this is a big topic. What is God's will in my life? And as a student minister and as a former youth minister, I mean, this is one that we dealt with all the time. What is God's will? Especially somewhere around the junior, senior year. Where does he want me to go to college? Or do, what major does he want me to have? Who does he want me to date? Who do, who, what, what house does he want me to buy? What, what job does he want me to have? What spouse does he want me What is God's will for my life? God is concerned with the details, but that is mere details. There's something much bigger, much deeper that God wants, that that God's will is. See, God's true will can happen in any of those circumstances, wherever you are, in whatever house or spouse or louse or mouse that you have, Dr. Seuss, you can be doing God's will. Let that one soak in and then we'll move on, okay? Okay. Like, hold on a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. What if I'm a stripper? What if I have a job of stripping? That's not in God's will. Okay, 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 okay. If your job is a stripper, hang with us. All we ask you to do is just follow, listen. We'll teach you what God's will is and in the process, we'll help you find a job But for the rest of us, that's not a stripper. Whatever job that you have. (laughs) Scott, stop. (laughs) Whatever job that you have. He can do his will in that. I've got four kids. I've got some good peripheral vision, bro. Come on now. Here's God's will. To make, it was for us to be made holy. To be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all time. That's a statement of permanence, right? Once for all time. His will for your life is to make you holy holy that's his will he can do that anywhere at any time doing anything he wants to make you holy so let's talk about holiness for a second and a holiness in church circles really a lot of times the whole kitten kaboodle is moralism let's just call it righteousness but that's not all that involves obviously uh, the, the, one of the aspects of holiness is righteousness but a holy, really what holiness means is to set aside for a special purpose. We do the act of holiness in other arenas. It happens every year at Halloween. Kids all across America, they get their loot of candy. They come home. What do they do? They dump the candy out on the table. Separate their favorites from everything else. It's the process of making that candy holy, set aside for a special purpose. They put it back in their bucket, they put it on the counter, they go to bed. Then what happens? The parents come and get the candy and bump the candy and separate their favorites for a holy purpose. Don't judge me. Holiness set aside for a special purpose. Every one of you this morning, God is setting aside for a special purpose. But you don't know my background. It doesn't matter. Even if your background is that of a stripper, or a prostitute, or a player, or a pimp, He's setting you aside for a special purpose. And that's his will for your life. That's what he wants. And Jesus came to do God's will so that you can do God's will. That God's will can be done in your life. That's why Jesus came and ended up being a sacrifice. I'm going to be a little bit of an infomercial throughout this. But that's not all! (laughs) That's not all! There's more! Verse 11, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar, day after day, not permanent, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, permanence. Good for all time, permanence. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand, permanence. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet, permanence. But some of you are like, ha, see, God's not nice. He wants to make his enemies a footstool. God's not nice. Okay, come on, time out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Every one of you here has dreamed about making your enemies your footstool, all right? Guilty. Guilty. Like, Kick back in your easy chair and whatever his name is, is, uh, down on his all fours and you put your feet up on his back. That's what the idea of the footstool. See, kings in, in the Old Testament time periods, this is what they did. When they conquered another king... They brought the king in and they sat on their throne. It was a sign of conquering. Get on all fours. And they kicked back on their throne and (laughs) used the dude as a footstool. Anybody that is an enemy of God will be made a footstool. But we've had those feelings too, right? Anybody that's an enemy of God is simply somebody that, that hasn't trusted in him to be forward. You see, the thing is, is that He's made such a simple way out. None of us are with excuse if we don't take it. Here's the clincher. Here's the punchline. For by that one offering, statement of permanence, He forever, statement of permanence. I mean, there's nothing more permanent than forever, right? Forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So anybody that is is being made holy, he's also being made perfect. He's making them perfect. Let's talk about perfection for a second. Again, just like holiness. Usually when we mean perfection, we mean moral perfection. We mean sinlessness. Well, granted, yes, 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 we cannot be perfect without a perfect righteousness, but perfection and being perfect is so much bigger than that. It means being complete. It means being mature. God wants to complete you. Now this isn't Jerry Maguireville here, okay? You complete me. No, that's not what he's meaning. This is meaning that he is maturing us. Here's another way of saying it. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Here's how I know this. Nobody here had your family member do weekend at Bernie's with you today. Our Pawpaw is dead. He has to be in church, so let's just lay him down on the corner. You're breathing. God's not done with you yet. God is completing you. God is perfecting you. Students, He's doing this right now so that you can be useful for His kingdom right now. You don't have to wait for some magic age. Right now, He perfects people, He's making you complete mature it's an ongoing process but that's not all and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago for he says this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. See, the Holy Spirit takes this process of, of, of making us holy and this process of making us perfect. And he, he does this by writing our, uh, his laws on, his mind, on our minds and our hearts. And we're starting a series in two weeks called Under Construction that talks about the Holy Spirit doing this. I'm excited about this series because we're going to take the Holy Spirit from this force that's out there to someone who is God doing something real in your life starting in two weeks. But, but, see, God sees us in heaven as holy and God sees us in heaven as perfect. And how God sees us in heaven as perfect and holy and how God sees us as that starts to seep down into, on earth. This is why God, or Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. He wants this holiness to start seeping down into us here on earth. But we all know that it could see some more, right? We all know that that, 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 that holiness and perfection doesn't always take root. And we don't always live like that here on earth as, as in heaven. Then, he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, There is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Statement of permanence. See, I was studying this. I I would have thought that forgiveness would have come before holiness and perfection, right? And yes, we need forgiveness before that happens. but, But the writer didn't put forgiveness before. And he could have. Why didn't they? Here's why I think. He's telling them when holiness and perfection doesn't quite make it down here on earth in our life. There's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. And we're washed clean. That's what forgiveness is. He washes the slate. Clean. Jesus tells us to pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me my sins. Forgive, forgive me where I've jacked it up. Start me fresh today. Let's talk about sin and guilt again. Forgive. Jesus forgives forever, and there's no need for any more sacrifice, but I'm guessing, I'm going out on a limb, I'm guessing that there's somebody here this morning who perhaps for decades have been living underneath the guilt of sin. Maybe it's because you've never asked for forgiveness. So this is a brand new concept. You're like, whoa, this Jesus. What? Didn't know. Maybe it's a brand new concept. Maybe you've asked Jesus' forgiveness for the same thing for decades, but you still, the guilt just overrides and you just beat yourself up over it. you keep hammering yourself. There is no need to offer any more sacrifices, including yourself, including yourself. One of the biggest ways we can squeeze off God's holiness and perfection making its way out into our life, is actually by sacrificing ourselves on the altar of guilt. Where we beat ourselves up over something that has happened years ago and we've asked for God's forgiveness over. But we still feel like maybe God will love me more or make me more holy or make me more perfect if I keep beating myself up over it. But can I say this? Because I want you to get over it. You're a crummy Savior. I'm a crummy Savior. Savior. I can't save myself. I can't wash myself of the guilt. There's not enough church services. There's not enough substances that I can drown myself in. There's not enough recesses in my heart to place it, to ignore it. God alone can wash away guilt. How do I get over it? To oversimplify and quote from Disney, let it go, let it go. Right? They never thought that they were theologians, did they? Move on. And when it comes back, Recognize that it's the enemy wanting the holiness and perfection that God wants to give you. He's wanting to squeeze that off like a boa constrictor. Go, enemy? Not this time. I've asked for God's forgiveness. He's washed my guilt free. I'm not going to let you do this. Go away. It takes a discipline. It takes allowing yourself to let it go. We're human, it's not always easy, is it? Stuff that I've had to let go. But we won't walk in freedom until we let it go. Sometimes. We sacrifice our kids at the altar of guilt. Treat them poorly or we we constrict them because we feel guilty about something. No need for any more sacrifices of sin. Sometimes we do this to our spouse. Sometimes we do this to our. No, 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 none of this. Okay, okay, okay. No jabs. It's, it's you, you. I'm talking to you, not them. You. Sometimes we do this to coworkers, people we lead, people that lead us. Because we're guilty about something, we want to sacrifice them at the altar of our guilt. Let it go and let them live in freedom and yourself because Jesus has already paid the price to wash us of our sins and remove our guilt and those of you that have never experienced the washing of Jesus that is His will for your life that's His will so let's talk about permanence for just a second why is Jesus permanent? Look, his followers, about 120 of them or so when he died, they were cowards. They thought they were next. They went and hid. This thing didn't spread because they were like, let's go get them. It took the Holy Spirit and Pentecost and all that deal for them to grow up. Something and get the word out. I mean, that's this. Who else makes you hope? Who else can make you perfect? Who else can forgive you? Not just as they're living, but 2,000 years after they lived on this earth. Who else can do this? If you struggled with church, if you're wondering if God is real, if you're wondering about this Jesus cat and who he's he's all about, look, I'm not asking you to change your moral, moral behavior. I'm simply asking you to wrestle with this question. Who else did this? Who else all I'm asking you to at least believe this Jesus makes holy Jesus makes perfect Jesus makes us forgiven just believe that and start following that whatever that means for you right this minute See, we are here to help you live this out because all the rest of us are doing is trying to figure out what this looks like. That's it. So we're here to help you live this out. Jesus is the most famous guy ever because nobody else makes holy, nobody else perfects, and nobody else forgives. And as he does that in people's lives, they tell and they share and they spread the story of Jesus doing this. For those of you that might be new to this entire concept, I'm going to be in the back and, and, and I'm back there so that you can come back and, and that way eyes aren't on you and etc. And, and, and I'll be back there to talk to you and pray with you if you, if you, if you want more about this. If you're somebody that's struggling with guilt, the whole guilt deal, and, and getting over it and letting it go and all that, I'll be back there as well. During this song, what's God speaking to you about? Is there something that He wants you to let go? wrestle with him about that he's willing to wrestle he's done it before but reflect on the one who makes holy who makes you perfect and makes you forgiven Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you make us holy. I thank you that that, that you perfect us, that you forgive us. Lord, I I, I ask that you can can put that so deep into our hearts that that, that the impact of that just goes with us from day to day to day. Lord, somebody that's here that has lived decades in guilt, let them be free. Somebody that's here that's never felt your freedom, never experienced your freedom, never asked for your freedom, let them experience that. Help us all to just follow you because you make us whole. Make us perfect. You make us forgive. Help us to pour our heart out in worship over this. Thank you and I love you. It's your name of prayer. Amen. You can go ahead and stand with us and just consider this one. It makes us holy, makes us perfect, and makes us forgiven. Thank you for listening to the Cross Point Fellowship Podcast. You can find us on the web at cpf.me.